seated. And if you want to find your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs, we are in the middle of a series called Wisdom for a Well-Lived Life. And today we're in Proverbs chapter 2. And I want to ask you a question. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's this. How bad do you want it? I'm sure you've encountered that if you uh, perhaps came to a class in school and and it was really tough and you're going to really have to apply yourself. Like, how bad do you want it? If you have been involved in athletics, more than just kind of like at a participant level, but like you really wanted to accomplish some things, win, I'm sure a coach looked in the eyes whether as a team or as an individual, and ask you, how bad do you want it? That question may have surfaced going through uh, school to actually accomplish it. Maybe uh, you faced a significant relational breakdown. In fact, it looked as if it was the end of the line, like this was just going to end. And that question surfaced, like, well, how bad do you want it? Are you willing to apply yourself and to do what would be needed in this situation? Or maybe you're just like, you know, I really do. I want to be a healthy spouse. I want to be a good parent. But the question will come back was, well, really, well, how bad do you want those things? And are you willing to do what it will take? When I think of that, that question, how bad do you want it? I think of my oldest daughter, Ashley. Coming out of junior high, she's going to go to Midway High School. And she just like had it in her heart that she wanted to swim for the Midway swim team. Swim for Dan Marlin. And so, but, uh, you know, she really wasn't a very good swimmer. Um, Another challenge that she had is that she had asthma. And the chlorine in the pool made it a lot worse, okay? So you had all these inhalers. Did they actually even make this happen? And, uh, like, we're not a swimming family. I'm terrible. I just kind of just, like, sink, okay? Karina, she's okay. But uh, Ashley, she's like, I I really want to do this. And so we were always just taking her to the pool. And she is taking lap after lap. She was training herself, strengthening, uh, watching her diet, doing everything she could to make that swim team. And so the day came where they had the tryouts, and I'm like, oh, my. Because Midway's good, you know what I'm saying? Not everybody's going to be able to swim for the Midway swim team. And but when she came out, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Dad, I made the team. Like, yes. I was so encouraged and so happy for her because she applied herself so hard. And it was really interesting. Uh, In her swimming career, she just incrementally always just got better. It seemed like after meet, after meet. And I'm asking you this question. How bad do you want it when it comes to God's wisdom? Like, how interested are you really in walking in God's ways? in your life. And I'm asking you that because uh, you might be in the category of like, you know, I could really care less. Or you might be like, this is the thing that I desire most. If you want to know how to walk in the wisdom of God, then Proverbs chapter 2 is going to be your passage. Uh, The book of Proverbs actually features the word wisdom over 40 times. It's the Hebrew word chokmah. It has the idea of truth applied. It's not esoteric. Wisdom is skill for living. And to give you just a definition of it, it's skill for living a God-filled life. It's truth applied. It's the wisdom and the ability to judge correctly between true and false, good and evil, 
between that which has eternal value and that which is merely temporal and fading away. It's truth applied. But if you were going to have wisdom, it's like we saw last week, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, you're going to need what is called the fear of the Lord. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. A fool, someone who's simple, who is short-sighted, just kind of living for the here and now, they, uh, they don't really have any real stability in their life, no guiding principles, no Lord that is actually directing them. They're just here and there and everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. You see, if you're going to walk in wisdom, you're going to need the fear of the Lord. A great reverence for God will lead to a great receptivity to his word. So if you have an awesome view of God, he is greater and just continues to grow greater in your understanding of who he is, I will tell you, you'll have a great receptivity to his word. You'll want to know the truth. The Bible will be a regular part of your life. On the other hand, if you really don't think very highly of God, in fact, you rarely think of him at all, uh, I want you to know that that'll also be reflected in your life and in how you respond to his word. The character that you and I possess is determined by the, the pursuit of God's wisdom in our lives. And if you really want to know, like, well, what does it look like to be wise? Becoming wise is like making tea. So here I have uh, my teacup, got the water. This is English breakfast. Seriously, if this is all you're having for breakfast, you're probably not going to make it to lunch, right? And uh, so you know how tea works, don't you? So first of all, you just got to open up this little package here, and oh, I've got this little tea bag here, huh? How about that? Perfect on a cold winter day. And uh, so this teacup here, got some water in there, and I want you to know that this water, why, that represents our lives, our soul, our heart, who we are on the inside. And the tea, why, this represents God's word, his wisdom. And so this is how, uh, how tea works, right? You just, all you have to do is just kind of put the tea in there. Look, oh, look at that. We got tea just like there, right? Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's like super weak. That's, that's not really how it works. No, if you want tea, you got to let this steep. You got to put that in there for a long time. You can't just like, oh, oh, just a little bit, not too much, you know, like, oh, no. You got to let it sit and soak and steep. I want you to so know that the, the same is true in our lives. We can't just like, well, I just, I heard a Bible verse, or I decided to go to church that day, or I heard that little bit of a message, but I was mostly tuned out, um, I was playing on my phone the most time. Um, I, I really never got around to studying the Bible. Well, I want you to know that's like almost just kind of like dipping the tea bag in there. God wants our lives to take on the flavor of his word and his wisdom, to so permeate our souls and our hearts and our minds and our understanding and our decisions that we actually reflect and put God and his gospel on display so that we will know the goodness of God, who he is like, what he loves, what he hates, and what he calls us to when it comes to wisdom. But if, if you really want to walk in the wisdom 
and to grow in the wisdom that God gives us, you're going to need two things according to the book of Proverbs. And we find them right here in chapter 2. The first one is you're going to need a driving desire to know the wisdom of God's word. Take a look, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon writing to his family, specifically calling out his son, it's this context of family relationship. I deeply want you to know these things. He says, if you will receive my words. Solomon had taken the law of God and it had infiltrated and permeated his life and now he is giving the wisdom under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And notice you have to receive it. No one is born wise. You may be born intelligent, you may have an aptitude to learn, but no one is born wise. Wisdom is something that must be received, must be acquired. And he tells us that you have to treasure the commandments. The idea of treasure is to store up something for future use. And that's what wisdom is. It's you're always taking it in, you're building it in, it's becoming a part of your life because there's going to be opportunities for you to use it to exercise it. And I want you to know that wisdom is available. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. And she is calling out. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 20, you can read it right there. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. And what is she calling out? Well, listen, next verse, 22. How long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools, oh, they hate knowledge, she says. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. Wisdom is calling out, but you need to heed and hear. And that's what he says, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. You see, wisdom is calling out. And you likely, unless you've been involved in a pretty serious accident, you probably have two ears on the side of your head. But that does not mean that you're actually listening to understand you have to do like the text says, incline your ear to be attentive to wisdom. Remember, Jesus would frequently say this, he who has an ear, let him what? Ooh. Why do you think he said that? Oh yeah, you can hear Bible verses and passages. That doesn't mean that you're actually truly learning from them. If you want wisdom, you're going to have to have a driving desire. And notice what he, how he spells it out. You have to, verse 3, for if you cry for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, you, this cry for discernment, I want you to know that brokenness in life, difficulties, desperation, as difficult as they are, they do give us the gift of becoming dependent upon God. When life hits you real hard, knocks you down, and you realize things are not working at all like I had hoped. Something is internally wrong with me. I don't, I, life is, is this great mystery. And I'm so confused and I am so hurt and I've been run over. That puts you in a position of dependence where you're actually crying out for discernment. God, would you help me and teach me? 
If you're a self-sufficient individual, you got what it takes. You've got what's called grit. I can just work through whatever. I don't need God. I don't need anybody else. I can just make it happen. You likely will not be going to God for wisdom. And your life will likely not reflect wisdom because you have to have a driving desire for God's wisdom. You have to come to a place of dependence where you cry for discernment. You lift your voice for understanding. Are you there? Are you? Is there an eagerness, a desire in your life for this kind of wisdom? Or are you like, eh, take it or leave it? Your life will reflect that. But if you want God's wisdom, you're going to have to have a driving desire. And in fact, he actually shows you what this will look like. Verse 4, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, man, now he's like calling to mind, like, you've got to apply yourself like in mining. Then verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You've got to search for it like hidden treasure to become a self-feeder of the word. You're going to have to dig deep. So if I say, hey, what do you think of the 49ers? What immediately comes to your mind? Right? Why the San Francisco 49ers, right? And they're like a really good football team. In fact, they're so good, they're not playing this weekend, right? But why are they called the 49ers? Like, what a weird name for a football team. Anybody know where that comes from? You know, they're actually, they're named in honor of these guys, the folks in 1849 who left their farms and sometimes even their families, and they traveled across the United States because they heard that there was gold in them thar hills, right? And they went, and they, they got picks and axe and shovels, and they applied themselves one day after another, back-breaking work, really difficult, because they were looking for some nuggets of gold. And people had found some. They had dug deep. And they, they gave everything they had because they thought that that gold was that valuable. They flocked to Northern California. They did that in 1849. And I tell you, to look at this text, you're going to have to have a similar attitude if you want God's wisdom. You're going to have to apply yourself you have to, what does the text say? Seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. That means that you're going to have to break open the Bible. There are like study Bibles that give you insights, concordances, good commentaries. There are biblical messages to engage, but you're going to have to have a heart to want to know, to apply yourself, a driving desire to understand. And I'll tell you that when you treasure God's wisdom, why, it'll become a defining feature in your life. Uh, I love being around people of wisdom. I feel like my life has been greatly shaped by just wise men and women who have really influenced me. I'll introduce you to two of them. One of them, a guy by the name of Sam Nero. Uh, he was a Portland businessman, very successful, didn't know Jesus, but then he heard the gospel. He saw the significance of the sin issues in his life and he placed his faith in Jesus. And you think like, well, and then it's just business really took off, right? Actually, uh, in talking with him, that's not what happened. He faced some very significant trials, and he ended up losing his entire business. You see, 
God was shaping, training, developing him, and he eventually becomes the principal of Southwest Christian School. But one of the things that marked this man, just as such delight to be around, is that he was a man known for wisdom. His life just reflected it. And one of the things that he did in his, in his love for God and his desire to walk in his ways is on three different occasions, he memorized the book of Proverbs chapter by chapter. That is 31 chapters. And so, like, when I was a, a young youth pastor, I'd find myself, well, I had questions. I wasn't sure what to do. I had students that had problems, and I wanted to be helpful. So I'd go find Sam, and I'd tell him, hey, this is the deal, or what do you think about this, or how would you handle this? And he'd have this, like, contagious chuckle. <laughs> you know, and he'd, and he'd smile. It was just so much fun to be around. And then he would just start talking and give some real insight and wisdom on how to handle the situation. And then he'd, he'd like quote some different proverbs. I'm like, how do you know how to do that? Because God's word was hidden in his life. And it just came out of his mouth. It is, by the way, for several years of my life, I read the book of Proverbs every single month. Because I desperately needed what this man had, wisdom from God. Let me give you another. Her name is Christy Gilchrist. This woman just emanates wisdom. Just such a delight, full of life, such a joy to be around. And like just being in the word year after year has made her such a wise woman. Karina and I were just newly married. And we were at a public function. We were sitting at this uh, dinner table um, with uh, Christy. And there was a guy, he was a Christian guy, and he was talking, and then he was over-talking, and then he just said some things that were flat-out inappropriate. And uh, I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, whoa. And Christy just kind of leaned over to Karina and I, and she just said, Proverbs 10, 19. And I, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure it's in the book of Proverbs, okay? Uh, but Karina probably knew what it was, but Proverbs 10, 19, and I don't know if she picked up like, he has no idea what that is, and she simply then quoted it. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Hmm. That's the kind of discernment. I need that kind of wisdom. I still think of that, and I'm sharing that even today. You see, if you will seek after wisdom, you will apply yourself. Look what it says. Verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord. You'll understand it, and you'll discover the knowledge of God, who he is, his character, what he loves, what he, what he hates, what he's calling us to, the knowledge of God himself, why it's available to you in his word. But here's the problem, and this is what really sobers me. The problem is this. Our minds are being shaped to be shallow. It is happening. What's happening is we live in a culture that is a sound bite the, uh, culture. All you and I can handle is about maybe 30 seconds. Like if you've been listening this long, this is like, whoa, you're in uncharted territory for a lot of Americans, right? Because we're, we're basically trained to tune out in 30 seconds. If you can't do it in two minutes, I mean, we're going to figure out who's going to be president, and they've got to be able to say whatever they know in about two minutes, right? Then what happens is, you see, we're in this, this situation where 
we are not accustomed to going deep. We like microwaves. We like things fast, easy. We want it my way. We don't want to apply ourselves. Furthermore, we have these phones, and we have like what's called social media, and you can literally scroll for hours looking at things that are very low engagement, oftentimes meaningless, mind-numbing even, and just... And what it's doing, it's having an effect. When we're not accustomed to going deep, here is the problem. Wisdom requires that you're willing to be like a miner. Pick up the pick and start digging in. Most people will not have it. And that's not to say that they don't have things to do with their lives. I mean, three hours on a video game? Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense, right? But just a few minutes with God and his word diving in, I just don't have time. Or I don't have interest. Because God's wisdom is really not what their lives are all about. And they're frankly not that interested. And by the way, if you have a loss of anticipation, it oftentimes leads to spiritual stagnation. Wisdom is available, but you'll have to apply yourself. In the last two summers, Karina and I have spent a little bit of time in Park City, Utah. Uh, just doing some vacationing there. Uh, one of the things that's fascinating about it in Park, Park City is that during its heyday in 18, the 1860s, they had developed over 1,200 miles of tunnels digging for silver. And so, you know, we'd go to these, like, different mines and, like, take a look at it. It's pretty fascinating stuff. And they would just apply themselves, all these adventures and people that would come forever for, for all these different places, coming to dive in for backbreaking, very difficult work because that silver was valuable. And it produced 23 millionaires. Uh, the father of William Randolph Hearst, you know, the great newspaper publisher, that's where he made his fortune, in the silver mines in Park City. But you have to apply yourself. They did. They thought, this is valuable. We'll give our lives to it and for it. I want you to know, if you want wisdom, you apply yourself to it, God will graciously give it to you. Proverbs 18 says, wisdom says this, I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. But you notice it's that diligence. You have to apply yourself. And you're like, why doesn't God just like leave his wisdom just kind of like laying on the ground where it's just like easy to pick up? And the answer to that question is this. It's too valuable. It's too valuable to be just common and just laying on the ground. You have to apply yourself. That is how God has set it up. If I told you in your backyard, there is guaranteed this huge vein of gold, and it's really not very deep, pretty sure you'd find your shovel, even if it's your little garden tool, and you'd start digging like, whoa, and you'd hit this like, well, this gold, where does it end? It doesn't. You'd apply yourself because like, wow, gold's valuable. This is really cool. Kids, everybody's getting new shoes. You know, whatever it is, right? But if I told you, God has his wisdom, and it's in the pages between these two covers, all you have to do is open it up and dive in. Will you apply yourself? Well, I'll tell you, your life and your patterns, they'll reveal the answer. You want to have a personal time with God. You want to engage biblical messages. You want to be involved in a Bible study. This, this men's conference, I'll tell you what, this is going to be in using you with what the wisdom of God looks like. And Shane Sanders is a guy who embodies it. These women's Bible studies, mom life, these are all opportunities for you. 
men's groups, men's studies, to dive in to grow wise. But if you want to grow in God's wisdom, you're going to need to have the driving desire to know the wisdom of God. Let me give you the second. You're also going to need a teachable heart to apply the wisdom of God's word. Take a look at what he says in verse 6. If you will mine for it, apply yourself. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see, the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth, God's words are recorded in the pages of Scripture. And so he gives us the wisdom that we need. He, it's readily available. In fact, he says, verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he's a shield to those who walk in integrity. For those who respond appropriately to God's ethical instruction, the upright, why, he gives wisdom. And notice what God's wisdom is. Do you see that in verse 7? God says that he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He protects your path for those who walk that are reliable, honorable, pleasing to God, people who are consistent, people of integrity. He says he's like a shield. He'll protect you. He'll guard you. He's going to guide your decisions. He's going to help develop your understanding of morality, how you treat people, um, how, how to discern truth from error. When it comes to, like, alcohol consumption, you got what society puts in front of you, but have you ever considered what God has to say about the matter? Just read the book of Proverbs. It will be insightful. What you and I call entertainment. You know, when you dive into God's book, just even take the book of Proverbs, you might discover, like, you know, hmm, some of the stuff that was, like, rated R or X 10 years ago, which is standard fare on TV right now, which is, like, some of my favorite shows or whatever, you know, I'm not sure this is that helpful. In fact, it might be the opposite. You'll develop wisdom and discernment. God will readily give it to you. You'll find out, like, some of that trash is destroying my soul and corrupting me, filling my mind with all sorts of trash. You know what? I think there are better choices. Indeed, there are. Um, you know, like, all of us probably have a propensity to be a little bit lazy, some more than others. I want you to know God's wisdom. Just read the book of Proverbs. You're like, whoa, God takes laziness very seriously. He really wants us to be very different than that and gives us the ability to do that. Uh, God's morality, all of that. You want that? You want to walk in the fullness of life, experience God's joy, to go and live life as God designed it? Guess what? Wisdom is right there. She's calling in the street. She wants your life steeped with the wisdom of his ways. And notice what else he says, verse 8. Wisdom is going to do this. God will be guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. God is going to guide you to the understanding of right and wrong, right relationships, right relationship with God, how you really should treat people, justice, that you're not operating on principles of bias. I like you, but I don't like that, and so hence I'm going to pervert justice. No, you're going to be a person of equity, of fairness. God wants us to put his wisdom, his character, his morality on display. But if that's going to happen, that's going to require that you and I 
have his wisdom. And it governs and guides our decisions, our choices, how we treat people. And did you notice that word course there uh, in verse 9? And every good course. The, the word uh, literally means like a wagon wheel track, like ground that has been pounded down hard by wagon wheels. It was used figuratively of someone's way of life, their course of life. See, wisdom, when we walk in it, it becomes our way of life. It's our patterns. It's, wisdom is not like, well, I've got a, a few different times in my life where I did the wise thing, okay? No, wisdom is our ongoing patterns. And you've got patterns in your life. Are those patterns wisdom or not so much? But God says, I will freely give you these patterns of walking in the wisdom of my ways. And you're going to leave some tracks for people to follow. A trail. A trail that's built on wisdom. It'll be reflected in your character, how you treat people. And I will tell you this. The watching world, they actually want to see what we believe. In some cases, they expect to see that if you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, that your life should reflect him and his word. The only way that will happen, by the way, is if you, or I, you and I are walking in the wisdom of his ways. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, right? We all mess up. As believers, the only thing perfect about us is our Savior, right? But God has called us to a direction. Perfection, that's an eternity. But that we have a direction, and we confess our sins, and we own up to it, but we're walking in his ways, and we're following Jesus. And we're, what we're doing, when you manifest wisdom, you know what it does? It puts God and his gospel on display. And notice what he says, verse 10 and 11. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you, and understanding will watch over you. Wisdom will enter your heart. Uh, heart our, the heart not only is just like your emotions, but it really speaks of one's mind, one's emotions, and one's will. It's the entirety of your inner being. It's who you are. You see, God's wisdom will infiltrate. You will internalize it. It'll start being reflected in how you live, how you speak, what you do with your eyes, how you care for individuals, how you treat them. And what you'll find is that it brings both great stability to your life and immense amounts of pleasure. Walking in wisdom is the way to go. It doesn't mean that everything works out perfectly, but I can tell you on a general sense, things work out better when you go, in wisdom, go with wisdom. And when life is not working the way you might hope, guess what? Wisdom will help you navigate what to do. It'll develop gravitas in your soul. You will have stability. You will be rooted. You'll not be just like whipped around in the wind and just on a, some sort of emotional chaos and all the time, one crisis after another, and it's like, oh, no. You got wisdom. You've got God. He's a shield. He's my rock. And I can walk in his ways. What happens is that you find that when you're establishing plans, making decisions, solving problems, the wise person is asking this, God, what is wisdom in this matter? What would you want? You see, God will give you and I a moral compass to guide our way. 
we will be transformed. But do you see the emphasis of this passage? You've got to be teachable. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm a teachable person. But do you know what it means to be teachable? It means that you, you listen. But it's not that you just heard the words, that, but you are also learning. You're understanding what is being said and that you're responding. You're living it out. A lot of folks want to identify as teachable. My general impression and just observation, not so much. Like the title, but rarely ask questions. Rarely engage at a deeper level. Not really interested in applying, just maybe I'll hear, maybe I'll respond, maybe I won't. You've got to be teachable and respond to what God is saying in his word. And Solomon then gives two great warnings, uh, great dangers that are in this world. And he's going to tell you how to actually be delivered from them. I, the word is going to appear twice, and I want you to watch for him. And the two great dangers that Solomon warns and are developed in this book, the first one is the corrupt influence of evil people, and the second is the severe consequences of sexual immorality. And so notice this great warning. The first one is the corrupt influence of evil people. He's referred to as the evil man. And so let me just read it. Beginning in verse 12, he says that wisdom will give you discretion. It will, verse 12, deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. When you walk in God's wisdom, it will rescue you, deliver you from the evil. And we're talking about, like, what are we talking about here? See, there's this alternate reality that is presented to the world. And it looks like, oh, like this. You don't need to take God and the Bible so seriously. How archaic. You're so much smarter than that. That's that may have been for your grandparents. That's not for you. You're, you and I, we're far more sophisticated. We don't, we've got better ways. We're knowledgeable. There are new ways of thinking. There's this progressive way of going about life. You can take shortcuts. Yes, I know you want to, you know, be prosperous and, and build a good life. I want you to know there's some shortcuts, though, right? And you don't have to, no, you don't have to apply those kind of principles. Let me tell you, there's different ways of going about it. You can gamble with your life, and you'll most surely win, right? And you're like, well, can you help me understand this, this evil man that he's referencing? These are the people that promote an alternative reality, this alternate reality where they call good evil and evil good. Is that not what's actually happening in our society today? What things that's like God has clearly said, this is wrong, this is evil, this leads to disaster, we're like, no, 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 these are some of our greatest values. This is what we call good. Um, we call abortion, which is, let's, in case you don't know what that is, it is the killing of infants in a mother's womb, and we now call that a health right. Oh, that's, a, that's a good thing. It's a health right, right? Everybody wants, you have a right to health, right? Um, this alternate reality, 
as to espouse an anything-goes sexual morality. It's to redefine marriage and promote every form of sexual deviancy. It is those who subvert justice. They're not interested in fairness and equity. Uh-uh. The alter reality, people can be bought off. We will kind of change the laws, or at least our understanding of them, to meet what we want. Uh, the alternate reality, these are those who promote this. They, they use, they confuse, and they abuse children. Children who are just starting to get established. And all of a sudden, we are like throwing all this, like, oh, you are totally confused on your sexual identity, and we can help you, right? Or even kids that are just trying to figure out what's right and wrong, that's all been flipped upside down. It's an alternate reality. There are those who espouse just kind of live with an uncontrolled tongue. You shred people anywhere, any way you like it. In public, in private, on social media, need to take an alias, doesn't matter. Just go after them, who will do whatever it, they want and can to alienate people from the living God. I want you to know, friends, God's wisdom will spare you and help you navigate the wickedness of this world. And by the way, your friends will in many ways shape your life. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You see, God's wisdom will not only deliver us from the corrupt influence of evil people, it'll also, it will also guard you from the severe consequences of sexual immorality. Take a look, verse 16. Remember the word, deliver? Look at verse 16. God's wisdom will to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her tracks lead to the dead, and none who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. Strange woman. The woman who... And it's just really just kind of personifying sexual immorality. They abandon the idea of covenant marriage. It's anything goes. It's our culture on display. And everybody thinks like, oh, yeah, it just doesn't matter. And you can live however you want and sleep with whoever you want. I want you to know that is the path of disaster. And that is what is spelled out here. And there's a lot of flattery that goes on. Like, oh, no, 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 no. You're married to the wrong person. I'm your soulmate. I'll take care of you. You are so attractive. You're so intelligent. Blah, 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 blah. You forget about God. Forget about what you said. Forget about covenant. Look at it here now. Live for me. I want you to know that kind of flattery. Many a person has blown up their lives, their marriages, their families. And I want you to know, like the text says, and this is pretty graphic, right? For her house sinks down to death. Her tracks lead to the dead. You'll find if you go down that path that uh, only the ghosts have preceded them into this disaster reside there. It's hollow, it's shallow, and it's destructive. I will tell you that if you are looking for trouble, you don't have to look very far because trouble is looking for you, right? Trouble is looking for you, but God in his wisdom, will give you a moral compass. I am pleading with you to go God's ways. 
because he wants you to walk in the path of life with joy, fullness, stability. But there's some great dangers that are out there. You see, God gives us a moral compass with wisdom. It's kind of like when you're in the fridge and you ever like notice there's some stuff that's been kind of hanging out in the back there for a while, like maybe a month or two, and you pull that out like milk, like, hmm, I wonder if this is still good and I could feed it to the kids or for me. And you open it up, right? And what do you do, right? You give that smell test, right? Like, ah, no, <laughs> right? Um, you're not going to drink it. You're not going to feed it to the kids, right? You're dumping it. But you don't need like a list of a bunch of legalistic rules to figure out whether the milk is bad. You can just tell, right? You can smell it, right? That's what happens when you're steeped with wisdom. Well, this totally doesn't smell right. I am not taking this into my system. I'm going to guard me and my family from it. Wisdom will allow you to do that. And by the way, that's what our children need. They need to be trained in wisdom. Yes, they need to know the stories of the Bible. Yes, they need to know some Bible verses. But here's the problem. If that's just external, and it never gets internalized, they never are asking the questions, what is, what is wisdom? What is wise? What does God call good? What does God say is evil? And I desire to walk in his ways? Then what will happen is like, well, yeah, but that, that's something I did as a kid. Those are like little kid stories. And they move on. It was just external. It never got to this point. Like it says in Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. To treasure God's word in our lives. And for all of us, who have made unwise decisions in life. Well, all of a sudden, we were just ruled by passion. We put God's wisdom, and we put it on a shelf, and we did our own thing. And I'm pretty sure every one of us will be in that category, even as believers. We've known the right thing to do, and we did the opposite, didn't we? Is there any hope? Indeed, there is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, like it says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. You see, the fear of the Lord, reverence for God, like, whoa, God, you're God, I'm not, and frankly, I've made a huge mess of things. I have sin residing within me. I've done what is wrong, I thought. Is there any hope? God has provided us a Savior. The fear of the Lord leads to faith in Christ. When you see the wonders of God, the depth of your sin, it allows you to behold the beauty of the Savior, and you trust in him. And this very same Savior, who gives us his righteousness, his forgiveness, his life, the same Savior who saves us from sin is the very same Savior who is the source of wisdom. Notice this, Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says this, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to the, all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding and resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, listen up, that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want wisdom? I want you to know that in Christ, this personal relationship we have with the living Savior, that's where you'll find wisdom. So you ask God, will you, will you develop my life? through your word, through biblical messages, for me engaging. God, would you deepen my devotion to Christ and would you direct my path? Just ask this question. If you're not accustomed to asking this, ask this. God, 
is this wise? You ask him in sincerity, I guarantee you, he will guard you and guide you. Our lives are either going to be shaped by God's wisdom or this culture. And to not make a choice, why is to actually have already made the choice? Because God's wisdom must be pursued. It is something like a driving desire. And you have to have a teachable heart. It's very much like tea. See, God wants our life just to be steeped with his word. So that when people taste it, see it, why they're seeing God and his wisdom put on display in our life. The character we possess will be determined by the pursuit of God's wisdom in our lives. So what I'm going to do is lead us.